Turn with me this morning to Psalm chapter 43, continuing our study in the book of Psalms. While you're turning, let me tell you something that you already know. Sinners who profess to be believers believe one or two things concerning salvation. Salvation is either by the works of man or salvation is by the grace of God. One of the two. It can't be both. Salvation is granted or merited by man's own worth or salvation is merited only by the infinite worth of the Lord Jesus Christ. can be both. One or the other. You are saved by keeping the law perfectly or you're saved by the keeping of the one who did. Amen. How arrogant and prideful for a sinner to think that their filthy rags righteousness can atone for sin. It's, it's amazing to me to hear men brag on all they're doing for God when they can do nothing that God will accept. Why? Because it's got to be perfect to be accepted. God will not accept anything less than perfection. That's something we know very little about, if anything. By experience, nothing. We know nothing about it. This morning, we'll again look at this psalm as we have the first 42 psalms. Hard to believe we're already in Psalm 43. And we'll consider the words here both as the words of David and the words of our Lord. So let's look here at Psalm 43, first at the words of Christ, as the words of Christ, and then as the words of David. Look at the first four words of verse 1. Judge me, O God. You know, as I read that, I read it again and again, who but Christ... Who but Christ would and could say to the Almighty, Judge me, O God. Who but the Lord could say that? Only a perfect Christ would desire that, and only a perfect righteous Savior could provide that. You and I don't want judgment. I can assure you that. As fallen sinners, we want and need mercy and grace. You know, people always say, I want justice in this matter. Well, not when it comes to the condemnation of self. Not when it comes to the judgment of oneself. You and I don't want justice. We want compassion. And we want mercy. We don't want what we deserve, do we? I just want what I deserve, people say. No, you don't. Not if you see what you deserve. God shows you what you deserve. We want mercy. I don't want what I deserve. We won't claim the worth of our righteousness because it's filthy rags. A menstrual cloth. We won't sugarcoat it. A filthy leper's napkin. That's what our righteousness before God is. We bow and trust in God our Savior because He provided, now listen to me, He provided a perfect righteousness for us. 
when he was made to bear the penalty of our sin, and this is what makes it such a double blessing, a double cure, as the songwriter said. Not only has my sin been put away in Christ, my Lord and mercy has made me one with Him, and His perfect righteousness is now mine. Now, do you believe that? Oh, believe it. It's so. That's what this book teaches. He who knew no sin was made to be sin for us that we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. That's substitution. That's the Gospel. I've lived long enough to know this much. If God has not given you a sense of your sin and the glorious act of Christ's substitution... Christ being made sin and the chosen sinner being made righteousness, it, uh, it, it won't mean anything to you. Substitution won't mean anything to you. It'll be just another doctrine. Who has need of a physician? One that's sick. A self-made man has no need of a physician. He hasn't seen his condition. Sinners will never have a desire for Christ until they see their need. A healthy and whole person doesn't need a doctor. And men by nature are healthy and whole when they have no need. And that's why self-worth and arrogant pride and self-righteousness and self-glorification, all those words that we can stick self in front of, are at the top of the list of the things that the Lord God hates. Proverbs 6.17, a proud look, first thing on the list of the things that God hates. How can one who, who is so full of sin and self be made perfect and accepted when they're nothing but sin? Well, you answer that question from the Scriptures and you have the Gospel. And that's why sinners love the Gospel. That's why it's good news to sinners. That's how a wretch like me can be reconciled to God. No other way. Now you start giving me a list of things that I need to do you're not going to keep my attention for long because, I, like I said a moment ago, I've lived long enough now to know that I can't do them. I've tried and tried and tried. Lord, I'll never do that again, only to do it again and again and again. And pretty soon it just gets plumb embarrassing, doesn't it? You don't even want to make any promises to God. Well, my Savior made a promise to God for me. And that's my hope of redemption. To some, sin's just a part of life. They say, well, it's just the way we are. I've heard it said so many times. After all, nobody's perfect. How many times you heard that? Well, then nobody's going to be saved. Because you've got to be perfect to be accepted. And the question of all questions is, is how can one who is imperfect, wretched, depraved, be made perfect. We can't make ourselves that way. Whosoever offers a sacrifice or peace offerings or free will offering unto the Lord, it shall be perfect to be accepted and there shall be no blemish therein. Well, that's all we are. Wounds, bruises, and putrefying sores, blemishes from the top of the head to the sole of the feet. Yes, sir. 
Only one who is perfect, holy, righteous, just would dare ask God to judge them. Christ is the only perfect one who would have no reason to fear the judgment of God. But the gospel, the good news is this, those that who, who are in Christ and have Christ in them have no reason to fear the judgment of God either. <laughs> and that's why Christ in the believing sinner is the hope of glory. Christ in you, the hope of glory. No other hope. He's the hope, the only hope. Is that not what... The Lord was talking about in John 17, verse 21, they, that they all be one as thou, Father, art in me, and I in thee, that they also may be one in us. <laughs> you think about that, it'll make your teeth white, it'll make you happy. One with God and one with Christ. Not just a, a, a picture, uh, you know, uh, not just pasted on righteousness. It's really mine. <laughs> what a union we have with Christ. Loved of God with an everlasting love. Chosen in Christ before the world began. Christ is our mediator and our surety and our representative. Why, He's the one who stood in our place instead. And He brought us nigh to God, did He not? He bought us with the price. Our Lord said here, As thou, Father, art in me, I in thee, and that they may be one in us. Again, verse 1, judge me, O God, and plead my cause against an ungodly nation. Oh, deliver me from the deceitful and unjust man. I was thinking as I read that, what a description of man we have there. Ungodly? Ungodly nation. That's why nations are ungodly, because the men that live in it are. Deceitful? Unjust? You want to know what you are? There it is. You and I both. Verse 2, For thou art the God of my strength. And here we see something of our Lord's complete trust in His Father. These are the words of Christ. Thou art the God of my strength. Our, our Lord is saying here, the strength that I have comes from my God. Verse 2, For thou art the God of my strength. Why dost thou cast me off? Cast off here means the same as forsaken. You remember what our Lord said from the cross? My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Why have you cut me off? You know why. You know exactly why. So that He wouldn't cut me and you off. Somebody has to pay that sin debt, don't they? There's only one that could pay it. There's only one whose sacrifice God will accept. Why hast thou forsaken me? Why have you cut me off? Put away the sin of His people. You know, sin is so atrocious that when it was found on the Son of God, God cast Him off and forsook Him. It was for the sin of His people that God forsook His own Son. 
Does that stir your heart? Does that help you to see how horrific our sin is? Friend, we need help. We need help. Our Lord says there in verse 2, Why go I mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? When I think about God the Son, the perfect God-man mourning and grieving and sorrowing, I admit that I'm in deep waters that I can't explain. But I know this, it was for the sin of the people that God put on him that caused our Lord to cry, my soul is exceeding sorrowful even unto death because death is what it took to put our sin away. The wages of sin is what? Death. The soul that sins, it shall what? Die. Our Lord was a man of sorrows. Grief had been such an enemy to our Lord that He was well acquainted with it. That's what the Scripture said. Well acquainted. Acquainted with grief. Verse 3, O send out thy light and thy truth. Let them lead me. Let them bring me into thy holy hill, into thy tabernacles. I think about what God said. He said, I've set my king upon my holy hill. My holy hill of Zion. That's what our Lord's praying for here. What men meant for evil, God meant for good. Don't you love that? I love when God does that. Men meaning for evil. Well, give me an example. Men with their wicked hands took and crucified the Lord of glory, but it was by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God. What men meant for evil, God meant it for good. And good it was. And that's all part of setting the Lord Jesus Christ, God's King of Kings, on the holy hill of Zion where all the elect of God will dwell forever. Verse 4, then will I go unto the altar of God. What, what's an altar for? For sacrifice. Christ was the sacrifice. Who was the sacrifice made to? It says unto God. Then I will go unto the altar unto God. Who was God the, who was God the Father to the Lord Jesus Christ? He said, my exceeding joy. Yea, upon the harp will I praise Thee, O God, my God. Do you see Christ as your only sacrifice for sin? He was the sacrifice made to God in your stead. Redemption is Christ providing for you what you couldn't provide for yourself. We say that all the time. I don't think there's much of a better definition for Redemption than that. Christ doing for me in my room instead what I can never do for myself. God's not going to accept anything, as I said a moment ago, any of my filthy rags righteousness. Christ will be your exceeding joy. You'll praise Him upon the harp of your heart. And then we have the same question that we considered in our last study in chapter 42, verse 11, verse 5. Why art thou cast down, O my soul? Boy, that's a question we could ask ourselves often, isn't it? Why are we cast down? Why art thou disquieted within me? Within me. Here's the solution. Hope in God. Hope in God. That's the only place there's any true hope. 
for I shall yet praise him who is the health of my countenance and my God. When our Lord was totally cut off and forsaken of God, his hope was still in the one who had forsaken him and cut him off. And immediately comes to mind the words of Job to me when he said, yet though he slay, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. Being the only perfect man, our Lord Jesus must tread the winepress alone, and He did so for all the sins of all the elect throughout all time, and a just God must forsake His Son if He's going to redeem us. And God was just in doing so when He forsook His Son. Well, He was perfect. No, He had all my sin and your sin upon Him. Yes, he knew no sin. He did no sin. He thought no sin. But he was made sin. The sins of the elect, God's elect were upon him. All the sins of God's elect throughout all time. No wonder he was sorrowful. No wonder he was cast down. And because our sin was laid upon him and he was made sin... God's holy law is fulfilled. God's holy justice is satisfied and the child of God is made perfectly righteous, accepted forever in the beloved Son of God. There's nothing hard to understand about the gospel message we preach. (laughs) Nothing hard about it. It simply takes a broken, humiliated sinner to need it And it takes a divine revelation from God to believe it. But it's not hard to understand. Christ did for me what I couldn't do for myself. Is there anything hard to understand about that? When our Lord died on the cross in our room instead, He took the full blow of God's justice, judgment, condemnation, and wrath as a man. And that's why God can justly accept His sacrifice. The blood of a man was shed, but it was also the blood of God. And only God's blood could satisfy God's justice. He that justifieth the wicked and he that condemneth the just, even they both are an abomination to the Lord. Proverbs 17, 16. Because Christ was the God-man, because He was a perfect man, a just and righteous man, He could not be condemned. Just as an abomination, just as it is an abomination to the Lord to justify a wicked person, just to turn your head the other way and say, ah, he's okay. God can't do that. It's an abomination. Is also an abomination to the Lord to condemn one who is just. That's why death, the grave, and hell couldn't hold the Lord Jesus Christ. He had to come out of that grave. God must provide for Himself a lamb, and God must provide Himself as the lamb. And it's got to be perfect to be accepted. He's the only perfect one. That's not hard to understand. For as much as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold. Silver and gold couldn't begin to pay our sin debt. God's not impressed by silver and gold. He owns it all. 
but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. That's how we're redeemed. Now let's consider these words as the words of David. Again, verse 1, judge me. Oh God, that's David speaking. David says, judge me, O God, and plead my cause against an ungodly uh, nation. You know, every commentator that I read on this passage said that David here is talking about a specific incident of sin. Uh, whatever David's referring to, he's saying, judge me on that. That's, that's what the commentators say, but that's not what David's saying here. David said in Psalm 143, verse 2, And enter not into judgment with thy servant. Don't judge me. Not according to what I deserve. No, sir. Don't judge me. For in thy sight shall no man living be justified. We, the sinners that we are, do not want to be judged on anything that we do. You can take my best thought, my best sermon, my best prayer, and all of it's wicked. My best thought is altogether vanity. David's saying, don't judge me on anything that I do. Everything I do is bad. There's none that doeth good. There's none righteous, no, not one. Not one action, not one thought, not one desire that comes from this mind of enmity and this body of flesh do I desire to be judged on. Do you? Do you want God to judge you on anything that you've done or do? David is speaking here concerning the justification of a believer. If you believe what Christ actually, that He actually justified you, you have no fear of being judged. You'll be justified. It's based upon His perfect work. And that's why we can have confidence and assurance and a good hope. You will be made perfect, sinless, holy, just, and righteous so much so that you're accepted and brought to God. If you believe Christ justified you before God that the precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ bought you, and that you're not your own as we looked at just last week. You're not your own. been bought with a price. That you belong to Him. You can say, judge me, O God. The righteousness of Christ will stand before God's judgment and before God's justice without guilt. And that perfect righteousness belongs to you. Well, you've already said that. Well, we we got to hear it over and over to believe it, don't we? Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. I've heard a lot of folks say, well, Preacher, you said that more than once. Meant to. Meant to say it more than once. Oh, how I pray that God give us a true revelation and a true understanding of our true standing before God. David said, plead my cause against an ungodly nation. My advocate with the Father. Now listen, he never lost a case. Not one. He's got a perfect record. He's defended the chief of sinners. Thieves. Extortioners. Adulterers. Fornicators. You name it. 
murderers. He's defended them all in the holy court of God's justice. And every single soul that had the Lord Jesus Christ to plead their cause has been found innocent, not guilty, justified, and acquitted. Deliver me from the deceitful. My margin there says a man of deceit and iniquity. An unjust man. Verse 2, for thou art the God of my strength. Has God shown you that you don't have any strength? See, that's a men's problems. First, they imagine that they've got some strength to do something good in order to be saved. Well, that's the first mistake that we make because we don't have any strength. We don't have any ability. No ability whatsoever. No man can come to me. No man has the ability to come to God. You want to talk about man's will? First and foremost, you don't have the ability to come to God. And then you add on top of that, no man will come to me that he might have life. You're not willing to come. You're unable and unwilling. You can't save yourself. can't keep yourself. Uh, only way we can be saved and kept is by the strength of God. Paul said, I can do all things. How, Paul? He said, through Christ which strengthened me. <laughs> the Lord said, without me you can do nothing. He didn't say, without me you can do a little or most things. He said, nothing. <laughs> Can't do anything. Nothing. You know, I looked up this morning out of curiosity what the definition of nothing was. And you know what it was? Not a single thing. Without me, you can not do a single thing. Isn't that something? It's truth, isn't it? Can't do a single thing. How can anyone say, haven't we, haven't we done many wonderful works in thy name? Do you remember what the Lord called those works? Or them that did them? Workers of iniquity. That's what they are because that's all they can do. All our work is iniquity. David asked, why callest or why dost thou cast me off? Have you ever felt that way? That's the way David felt. And I tell you, you'll feel cast off and you'll feel forsaken if you look within. And this is something that the that I've learned. The Lord is, let me reset. The Lord's taught me by His grace over the last few years. Man, don't look within for anything. David says, "Why go I mourning because of the oppression of the enemy?" David is talking about mourning over sin. You know, sin is our greatest enemy. Sin so oppresses us. But what a blessing it is to mourn over sin when you think about it. Only God can make you mourn over your sin. Sin is something that the true believer mourns over. Sin causes us deep sorrow and regret. That's what oppression is. If, if it doesn't, then God is yet to show you who and what you are. It mourns me to know that I too would have been a part of Christ's crucifixion. 
I knew a man, I've told you this before, and I mean, he was quite proud of it. On several occasions, he said, if I'd have been there the day they crucified the Lord, I would have stopped it. No, you wouldn't have. You'd have been right there yelling, crucify Him, crucify Him with the rest of them. And I, by God's grace, know that. And I'm so, I'm so sad over that. But God's made me to mourn over it. We mourn because we know that in and of ourselves there's nothing, not a single thing, that we can do to make it any better. And I know David is speaking of mourning over sin because he exposes his enemy here as the enemy. Do you notice that? We read over these little words and need to slow down. Um he exposes sin as the enemy. Sin is the enemy. Specifically, the sin in me is my greatest enemy. <laughs> the enemy, the sin within, caused Job to abhor himself. The great enemy of sin, the sin within Isaiah, caused him to cry, Woe is me! I'm undone. I'm a man of unclean lips, and everyone around me is in the same condition. Woe, great sorrow and distress to me and within me. Sin is what I am. Isaiah said, I am undone. And the only way we can be done is if Christ finished it for us. The enemy, the sin within, caused Paul to cry, O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? And oh, what oppression comes from the enemy of sin. My old man, my old nature, my sin. Who shall deliver me from these enemies? I say with Paul, I thank God through Jesus Christ, my Lord. He's the only one that can, Chris. Every good and perfect gift cometh from where? From above. They come from our God, the Father of lights. It is with Him who there is no variableness, neither shadow of turning, and of His own will beget He, us, with the Word of truth. The Word is Christ, and Christ is the Word. Christ is the truth. In other words, of His own will beget He, us, with Christ. This is the teaching of the Word of God. And this is the good news of the Gospel. And God saved sinners for His own great name's sake. And it pleased the Lord to make you His people. Every gift we have comes from Him. From above. And they come because of our union with Christ. And as with Christ as our advocate with the Father, He will plead your cause. And it's going to be a good verdict. The verdict's in. Not guilty. That'll mean something to you if you see what you deserve. Well, brother preacher, what about Satan? And Satan, our greatest enemy? Well, let me ask you a question. Did Christ die to put Satan away? Satan's already on God's chain. He and the... Angels which kept not their first estate are reserved in everlasting dark chains under darkness until the judgment of the great day. Christ died to put sin away. Now I want you to look at what David 
prays for in verse 3, and I'll hurry along. He says, Oh, send out thy light and thy truth. Let them lead me. Let them bring me into thy holy hill, into thy tabernacles. That's, what is David here praying for? He's praying for light and truth. The light of the gospel. The truth of the gospel. Yes. I've seen her in my mind so many times. She's caught in the very act of adultery, the Scripture says, and brought before the Lord. And the scribes and the Pharisees said to the Lord, said, she was caught in adultery in the very act. And you know, when I've read that, I've always wondered, what were they doing there to have caught her in the act? At least two of them had to be witnesses, otherwise the accusation wasn't legal. They said Moses and the law commanded us that she should be stoned, but what do you say? And you know they were doing this, just try to catch him in a mistake or whatever so they could accuse him. And he said, uh, he that is without sin, let him first cast a stone at her. This is what I say. We'll leave Moses out of it right now. If you're without sin, then you cast the first stone. Did nobody hurl any rocks? And as our Lord Jesus stooped and rode on the ground, they one by one, from the eldest to the youngest, the Scripture says, convicted by their conscience. They left. And that poor adulteress was left alone with the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, that's where all of us got to be brought. Amen. And that's a, a good place to be brought. <laughs> Our Lord said, Woman, where are thine accusers? Hath no man condemned thee? And she answered, No man, Lord. No man. And our Lord said, Neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. <laughs> then our Lord said this, I am the light of the world. And he that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. Light and life. Light and truth. It's all Christ. All of it. Oh Lord, send us light. Send us truth. Continually give us Jesus Christ who's both. Oh, what light's found in the truth. In Christ the believer is without guilt. Isn't that a wonderful truth? Not long ago, I heard a sportscaster call a highly touted athlete. He's the truth. He's the truth. And I'm sitting there going, no, he's not. He's not. No, I don't care how good he is. He's not the truth. That title belongs to my Lord and no one else. He is the truth. <laughs> Verse 3 again, Let thy light and thy truth lead me. Don't leave, leave me to lead myself. If you do, I'm, I'm heading for a ditch. <laughs> and not only let the light and truth lead me, but Lord, let them bring me 
You see that? I need to be brought. I, I must be brought or I'll never come. I cannot come, as I've already said. No ability and I will not come because I don't have any willingness. I must be made willing when in the day of His power, in the day of His strength, as we've already read. Got to be brought. Jesus Christ died the just for the unjust that He might what? Bring. Carry is what the word means. Carry us to God like that sheep upon the shepherd's shoulder. Being put to death in the flesh but quickened by the Spirit. Let me be found in Christ. That's the desire of every believer. Isn't that your desire? Yes. Verse 4, then I will go unto the altar of God. We've already asked this. What's an altar for? It's for sacrifices, speaking of the work of Christ. You know, even in heaven when we have no sin, we'll be worshiping the Lamb slain. Now, I don't understand this either. When in heaven without the consciousness of sin, we're still going to know that the only reason that we're there is because of the Lamb that was slain. He's the priest that offers the sacrifice. He's the altar and He's the mercy seat. Christ Himself is the sacrifice. Without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sin. You take Christ out of all that, we have no hope. That's right. Then I will go to the altar of God and to God my exceeding joy. Oh, friends, there's no joy without going to the altar. And that ain't talking about coming up here. Save your legs and save your feet. Stay right where you are and come to Christ. David repeats what he said in Psalm 42. Why art thou cast down on my soul? And why art thou disquieted with me? Hope in God. For I shall yet praise him who is the health of my countenance and my God. I heard Brother Todd say concerning this, that David here is speaking to himself. He's not listening to himself. He's speaking to himself. You see, if you listen to yourself, it'll always bring you down. If you listen to yourself, it'll always be contrary to the gospel. Why are you cast down? <laughs> Every look within was going to cast you down. Told a dear brother here recently, still struggling with assurance. Don't look within. Quit looking within. Look to Christ. Brother Mahan once said, if you look to yourself, you'll be discouraged. If you look to others, you'll be disappointed. But if you look to Christ, you'll be saved. <laughs> Isn't that the truth? You know, just last week someone was something was weighing heavy on my heart and I just said it out loud without thinking about it. That's happening to me more often lately. I just hope it don't happen in public much. But uh I just said out loud before I even thought, David, what's wrong with you? I was talking to myself. Why are you cast down? What's wrong with you? Why are you feeling sorry for yourself? I was cast down because I was looking to myself. I was looking to within. We can't do that. 
So what do we do? It's always the same thing. We hope in God. The God who is glorious. The God in whose hand we are. The God is too... The God that is too wise there. The God is too kind to be cruel. The God who makes you accepted in the beloved. There's always a reason to hope in God. <laughs> He's the health of my countenance. I'll leave you with this. That word health there in verse 5, in the original translation, it comes from the Hebrew word that means salvation. And the word uh That's the word health. And the word countenance means acceptance. So Jesus Christ is the salvation of my acceptance. Accepted in the beloved. Same thing Paul was talking about in Ephesians. Jesus Christ is the salvation of my acceptance. (laughs) No other way to be accepted except in the beloved. Oh, may God be pleased to make it so for God's glory, our good, and for Christ's sake.